Hello and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio. I always get so excited when I hear my music. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I am here every Thursday at 4 o'clock Pacific Time, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, and in the middle of the night in London, I think like midnight, something like that. So hello, friends in London from my mastermind group. We'll catch you on the replay For the rest of you listening live, I want to welcome you to the show today where we're going to talk about your book. And, you know, your book always reflects your life. So if you're not in the middle of writing a book, you're going to see themes that just reflect the chapters and the metaphors and the phases of your real life. Today, we're really going to focus on the reasons, about five reasons today, why people might not finish their book, and why you don't want that to be you. Some of these reasons, uh, I asked some people, what might you think? What might some of those reasons be? Tim said, exhaustion. Chris said, procrastination. And Marty said, laziness. Well, those are really good answers, and we'll talk a little bit about those, but... It goes even deeper. In fact, it goes really deep. So we'll see how deep we decide to get today. I hope this content serves you. And if you find you have a question now or later, you can send me a text on Facebook Messenger. I am Debbie Handrich. It's just like it sounds, although Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y, Handrich, H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H, You could also send a Facebook message over to Coach Debbie. You could also write to my brand new fancy email address, which is askcoachdebbie at gmail. Askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And Debbie is always spelled D-E-B-B-Y. I am happy to take your questions. And Sabrina, you are the first one that wrote in. Thank you for subscribing to my newsletter. It is always lovely to hear from you, Sabrina. So you will be the first person we get to today. Last week, I think we were 40 minutes into the show before I got one single little tiny text. So you guys, don't do that again, okay? It makes me nervous. Send me your questions. I get so happy when I know you're here with me and You have things you want to talk about, you want to be coached about. Speaking of which, I am a writing coach. I was an associate professor of writing for 20-some years out at the community colleges here in Seattle, Washington. I taught creative writing, essay writing, mythology, and I wanted to go a little deeper than what you can do with the state. I wanted to bring some spiritual principles to people, and really elevate people when it comes to writing their books, especially a book about self-development or something that offers transformation to the reader. I've read hundreds, maybe even a thousand. I, I should go look. I should, I should look at my library. How many books just on that? have I read. And I love them. I keep going back for more and more and more and more and more. For seven years, I 
sat alongside Todd Allen, and we interviewed writers and speakers and coaches and entrepreneurs on Life Mastery Radio, and that was so much fun. So I decided to start my own little thing here at KKNW with Story U Talk Radio, and that's a capital U. You will find it on YouTube, on TuneIn Radio, on Podcast One, on your Apple and iTunes podcasts. Uh, I even found it on SoundCloud. So we're, we're up and going. You know it's the new stuff if you're looking at the purple icon. Yes, Story You Talk Radio with Coach Debbie. Thank you for joining me. If you want to call in, if you're the gutsy one, you want to call in. So far, we've had Kathy from Kirkland call in, but we have plenty of room for others. Please dial 1-888-298-5569. 1-888-298-5569. And when you call, you will hear the voice of the engineer. And that is Eric Ryder. Say hello to our people today, Eric. Hello, people. (laughs) Hello, Debbie. How are you? Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. Thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. Mm -hmm. I hear you're going to take a little tiny trip. Yeah, just going to take a couple days off next week. You know, try and take advantage of some of the summer weather before it passes us by. Yes. Yes. Somehow it is the middle of July. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's really hard to believe, but you are correct. Yeah, we've already passed the halfway point to 2019. I don't get that. I just don't get that. Blows my mind. So, yes, you go and have a nice, lovely vacation. Thank you so much. I'm going to go try and sit on a beach and just kind of like feel time pass for a minute. <laughs> do. Do. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful way to spend time on the beach You know, speaking of beaches, my friend, guess who else lives near a beach? I do, I do, I do. In West Seattle, I live right down there on the Puget Sound, and I have a tiny little abode where I can invite you to come to my writing workshops. I offer them in the summer and the fall and sometimes the spring. If you would like to learn more about those workshops, please go to my website at www.coachdebbydebby.com. And you'll find that I'm offering a workshop on journal writings for spiritual junkies. And this helps you go from just journaling and ranting and raving to actually making a lot of inquiry and progress with the ideas on your mind. I also offer memoir writing, That is one of my niche areas of teaching. And I also offer a workshop on writing your speech. My my friend Todd Allen and I ran all around to Toastmasters meetings in the Seattle area, Bellevue area, Snohomish County. And I take what you might learn in Toastmasters and I spin it with your story, of course. So Toastmasters, they're really good like uh, like in the way an English teacher would be. They give you the, the facts about speech. 
but I give you more of the info about telling your story. And what I find is when you incorporate that, when you really get comfortable with what is your story around a certain topic, you are much more comfortable on stage and in front of people. It flows better. You feel like you know what you're doing and you have the right to feel that way because you probably do know what you're doing. It's just that nasty little message inside that can kind of get to us when we're not really rehearsed in our story or we're not really confident in it. So I, I let Toastmasters do what they do best, and then I take people and I help them get in touch and uh, what I would say is fluent around their story. So again, if you're interested, it's www.coachdebbie.com. These are one-day workshops right down by the beach in West Seattle. And I promise it's not a noisy beach. It's nice and quiet and quaint. And we get a lot done down there. All right. Today we are talking about the reasons that you or I or anyone do not finish the book, the story, the article, the blog, whatever that is, but really the book, the big chapter. Why doesn't it get finished? Uh, I want to say hello to the people that are live with us right now. Uh, hello, Sabrina and Hannah. I want to say hello to Michael and Drew. Uh, hello to Jennifer and Lori and Angela. And hello to Annie. Thank you for joining me live today for the show and for letting me know that you are there. That means a lot to me. What are your questions about getting a book finished? And why do you think sometimes people don't? It's true that there are those reasons like, well, we get into procrastination mode or we, we get exhausted with life or we get lazy or we think our ideas aren't as good as maybe we thought they were before we started writing. There are these basic fundamental reasons why day-to-day -day we might put something off or just back out of getting something finished. But I want to remind you, dear reader, that most of you out there that are writing a book or thinking about writing a book, you do have a certain joy and passion about that book. So something small like just being lazy or entertaining the notion that you might have come across a dumb idea or giving into the old habit of procrastinating, those things, my guess, are not going to hold you back for long. I need water here. <clears throat> Thank you. Those things are not going to hold you back for long. They might slow you down. Procrastination has slowed me down for sure. But really when I think about it, procrastination is just me not admitting at the very moment it's happening that I've got a fear going on. 
some sort of fear is up, that's what's going to keep me from finishing a book. Procrastination, it, it just gives me a timeout. It gives me a day off, an afternoon off, an hour off. But the fear that's driving that procrastination, that can go on and on and on and on and on. That's what needs the attention. And dare I say, it needs your love. It needs you to sort of sit down with it and say, hello, fear. What is it you're really fearing? What's going on? And when you do that, you start to get to the deeper question, the deeper confusion, the deeper issue that is inside of you that procrastination is just so good at covering up. So think about that. If your first answer was, I know, I know what keeps people from finishing their book. It's procrastination. Here's a little exercise. What do you think might be just one fear you have that keeps you from finishing your book? And if you can come up with that in a sentence, just one fear that might keep you from finishing your book, I challenge you to send that in to me and we can talk about that. You can just even send in just that, that answer and I will address it here. Sometimes when we go beyond the fear, uh, what we find is that there are some, some pretty big reasons that we stay uh, feeling lazy, feeling procrastinating. And one of them that I found with my students is when I would give them multiple choice little surveys on the first few days of class, one thing I would find out about my students is many of them did not believe they had enough book smarts. When I asked them, why are you taking a writing course? What has helped you decide you want to be in an advanced writing course? Many would say, I have a certain intuition around writing, but I don't think I am book smart when it comes to writing. So I hope this gives you some relief. You don't have to be book smart. No. Your intuition could serve you very, very well when it comes to writing a book. And if you are going on your intuition as you start the book and as you approach the middle of the book, well, I am going to encourage you to continue with that intuition as you finish it. It's just your fear that's coming up toward the end that says, you know, I, I really should have taken a course. I really should have got more book smarts. What am I doing all the way out here on page 200 in my book when I haven't taken a course? That's just fear. That's going to buy you a day or two or a week of procrastination. Uh, you might even be, get to indulge in a real big bellyache. You could even bring on a migraine. Um, you might even, if you're a real extreme personality, have to buy a ticket to Cancun and get the heck out of town so you don't have to tell anyone you're really procrastinating. You can make it look like you've scheduled a family vacation. 
<laughs> there are all sorts of things that can happen when we indulge in the idea, or might I call it the fear, that we need more book smarts. I'm going to say that book smarts will always help you, always, but if you've been leaning into your intuition writing a book and you've got 100 pages, 150 pages, and it's going well and you're getting good feedback about it, you're, you're off and running. There is no reason to keep working with that intuition. Keep it going. Did I say there's no reason to? I meant to say there's no reason not to. There's no reason not to follow your intuition. That's just one reason people give up on finishing. They all of a sudden panic and think the real answers to getting this book done exist in some other famous, well-written book that I haven't read yet. So, can't do it. I'm stuck. And they give in. And they procrastinate. And like I said, they might go to Cancun and just make it look like it's a planned family vacation. Yeah, that's it. We have a lot more answers to this question. And if you have a question, or if you have a comment, or if in any way you want to contribute, please write to me on Facebook Messenger. I'm going to take a quick little break, and I'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kathy Cooper, and every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m., I'll be hosting Lost and Found. We'll be discussing all types of losses, but it's not going to be the doom and gloom hour. It'll be an hour of education, support, validation, and yes, we will have a little bit of humor. So won't you join me Wednesdays, 1 to 2 p.m., Lost and Found, because every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. My name is Hunter Hayes. I know myself and I know my buzzed warning signs. One shot is about knowing my limits or not necessarily knowing my limits. I start with one shot to have a good time. One of the signs that I'm starting to feel a little buzz is when I start solving not only my own problems, but the entire world's problems. When I know I'm going out, I know I'm gonna start with calling for a ride. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world, their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Bored with the other stations? Hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. Yeah, get some variety. Yeah, tune into Story You Talk Radio for some variety. Speaking of which, I am going to bring on a gentleman to talk to you probably the next show, if not the one after. And we will be discussing the heroic journey that men go through. Did you know that women and men go through different ones? 
What I mean by that is we have, we are, our brains are just wired a little bit differently. And I am so, so intrigued with the hero's journey and how women face it and how men face it. And the more I study it, the more I understand the differences. So I'm going to bring in Tony Rezac to talk to us. Uh, His podcast is The Man Project. And we are going to kind of play off of the masculine and the feminine ways that we go along our heroic journeys of life. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just think about how Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz or Luke Skywalker in Star Wars or Harry Potter in Harry Potter or any of those great, wonderful, epic stories journeyed their protagonist through their journey. Uh, we'll be we'll be looking at that and all the steps and stages. So coming back today and talking about the reasons why we don't finish. We don't finish up well. We don't finish our books. People have stumbled on the idea that we just get lazy, and it's true. We get exhausted. It's true. We run out of time. We procrastinate. All that stuff is true, but there's deeper reasons. And one of the deeper reasons is that our fear gets triggered. It gets triggered so much that we step out of the book we were loving, We put it so aside that we might even bury it in some sort of storage unit. We might even move out of state and leave that storage unit. We we might lose it because we didn't back it up on the computer. We abandon these things because our fears get so big. One fear that we were just talking about is that we don't have the book smarts to write our book. We've gotten to a certain extent, but we don't feel we have the smarts to finish it. Another big one is that we get into conflict and we don't know how to get out while we're writing our book. We get into some sort of conflict and we don't know how to get out. Uh, It was Wayne Dyer that said, conflict cannot survive without your participation. So maybe the conflict is that you're arguing with your editor. Or maybe the conflict is that you've gotten wrapped up in the idea that you need an agent now. You just can't find one that serves your needs. Maybe the conflict is that you're tired of writing and you don't want to admit it to someone. You don't want to admit that You had sketched this year out as the year for your book, and you're not going to make it. You're in some big conflict with the timeline. Maybe it's that you thought, and here's a biggie, but it happens over and over again. You thought your book might change the world, and as you're nearing the end, you're worried it won't. You thought that book was going to bring world peace. You've put your heart and you put your soul into it. You've left nothing out. You're thinking all you need is to wrap this up in 30 words. 
What's that last final thing you're going to leave people with? But the fear has lodged that you're not going to change the world. So what you're dealing with here, my friends, is not what we were talking about earlier, just a fear, but you're starting to see your ego in the mirror. And a lot of people think that an ego is a bad thing. An ego has so many good jobs to do in this lifetime. And one of the things the ego does when you're trying to finish up your book is it stands right smack across from you as if it is actually a mirror. And it says, careful, don't do that. Don't go so fast. Don't make a fool out of yourself. Don't scare yourself. Don't be so irrational. It says all these things. Why? Because it's going to protect you. It's going to protect you from being famous, making money, living out your dreams, serving others, being really impressed with yourself, and all that other good stuff. But it's also going to brace you from the fact that <gasps> you might not be changing the world. So you have to come back to the truth. And now here's where the ego doesn't serve you because it doesn't know the truth. All it knows how to do is protect you from your fears. That's it. It just knows how to tell you to sit down and be quiet where you are going to be big and be bold. I have had an ongoing relationship with my ego every single time I've started to write, every single time I've been in the middle of my writing, every single time I thought I was getting to the end of the writing, every single time I've submitted something for publication, every single time I've withdrew something for publication, <laughs> every single little step of the way, my ego has popped up and said, hey, you sure? No, you don't want to go through with that. The ego says it louder than any part of us. Again, because she's here to protect us. She is actually part of the feminine heroic journey. She's what we call the refusal of the call. She gently slips in and says, you don't have to. No one will know if you don't. It's not that big of a deal. She just doesn't want you to be mortified publicly and have to deal with it because it will be too big for the ego. She won't be able to protect you when that comes. You're going to have to go straight to your soul and your real ability to deal with you. Yeah. You're going to have to really know your story and be standing in your truth. So it is your ego's great, great mission to make sure you never get yourself in a spot that she can't get you out of. You see how it works? Let me take you to a story. Uh, this is submitted by Sabrina. Uh, Sabrina was a student of mine about... Sabrina, maybe you can help me. I think it was about two years ago. Uh, she's currently living in New York City, and she writes in and admits, I have not finished the book you asked me about because 
I can't settle on my ending. And to tell you the truth, I've been stuck here for literally a year. So without giving too much of this away, Sabrina has a wonderful story about family and what it looks like when you face alcoholism and recovery. This is something she talks about publicly. She's on what we call a speaker circuit. And she, she's very, very courageous about this. So I can understand when she says, I've not finished because I can't settle on my ending. I understand this. And Sabrina, what I'm going to say to you right now is don't. Don't settle on an ending. Stick with your ending until you love it. And I mean this. Don't settle on an ending. You didn't settle on however many pages you did to get to the ending. I know you were, I know who your original publisher was going to be. And so you're either writing a book of 208 pages or 267. So somewhere you're approaching that. And I don't want you to settle. So here are some ideas. Idea number one is you have to love the ending. You have to love it. The ending has to serve what you set out to do in the beginning. So you might want to step back from the ending of your book and go back to what was my mission in writing this book? What did I say I wanted to do for humanity when I stepped out into the circuit and started to, and started to write this book? What is it that you want people to remember as they put down that book? So there's something heroic going on. I know you know this. And I know the people listening that are in a similar spot know this. You're facing something heroic. You cannot settle. I mean, Luke Skywalker had that big meeting with Yoda, right? Did Yoda allow him to settle? No. We have all kinds of, what would we call them, Yoda-isms? <laughs> I don't know what to call them, really. But they are in our, our vernacular, you know. Don't try, you must do, or whatever it is he says. That there, there's this idea that you don't just try something out. You, you risk all. You do it. And you know that the ending of your book is that call in the hero's journey. We call it bringing home the elixir. It's when you say, as I circle back to my people, I'm not going to give you a tale that you've heard over and over again, but I might bring you a lesson you've heard over and over again but this time, I'm going to wrap it up in my story. So, Sabrina, think about what is going on in your story that also brings home a lesson that you've heard over and over again in other stories. I mean, reach high. Go straight to Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. All she had to do was look down 
and click those shoes three times and realize she always had the secret right inside of her. It's usually something so paradoxical, something about, well, as people say when they talk about the hero's journey, it's something about following joy, following our intuition, following something that's really true inside of us. That's your ending. And if you write that, and if you wrap it in the story of your life, you are not settling. Sabrina, I hope this serves you. You are a brilliant writer, and I will not allow you to not finish that book, okay? Just so you know. Thank you for writing in, and I want to hear how it's going. I'm going to give you about three weeks, and then I'm going to come and find you, okay? Tell us. Hey, you can circle back here, by the way. If you want to circle back here, if you even want to send me a little excerpt, ooh, oh, yeah, good coach Debbie, send me an excerpt of that ending that you're not settling on, but that ending that allows you to express your joy, your joy that you came in contact with as you went through this journey. All right, so that is the assignment for Sabrina. Uh, Since we're on to it, let's go to our next texter today. This is, um, this is really going to touch home, I think, for a lot of you. Um, this is from Michelle. Michelle, I do not know. We are friends on Facebook. And Michelle says, I hope you can help me. I don't know if this is because I'm the only writer in my family or not. But I am very concerned about people's opinions and how they affect me. I'm especially concerned about my husband's feelings about me. We've not been married long. You could almost say that we are still getting to know each other. I'm writing about optimal health. He knows that long before he knew me, I was obese. But I have completely changed. My whole job is wrapped around health care. And the more I study, the more I feel I have a story to share, mostly because I have lost to date 89 pounds. Wow. Before all of this happened, I would have never thought I could write a book. But now I feel like I must. The only thing getting in my way is people's opinions, especially those who knew me when I was 89 pounds heavier. Okay, you're dealing with something really complex, so I'm going to break it down for you just a little bit. One, you're dealing with a true story. Two, the true story is yours. Three, I can guarantee you, you are on a heroic journey expressing this story. Four, you are showing the new you and you are contrasting the old you to let the new you be known. And I'm just kind of doing this off the cuff. But five, my guess is you're, you're taking big risk. So I don't have that written down. Um, but those are five things right off the top of my head that make me think you have very, very, very good reason 
for having the brakes on as you approach the end of your story. To deal with your dilemma, we have one minute before we go to break. I'm going to tell you a little story. All those five things count. And even, even if you were a published writer at this point, and this wasn't your first book, you'd probably be standing at this crossroad anyway because we are all afraid of being judged. But really, Michelle, we are afraid that the judgment is going to be even more harsh than the judgment we sometimes play in our head. The truth is, you're still alive. <laughs> you have withstand, stood, withstood every little bit of judgment you have put on yourself up to now. When you were carrying 89 pounds more, you may have had judgments about yourself. You may not yet have been in alignment and realized it doesn't matter what you weigh, you deserve love. But because you have those memories of judgment, you're anticipating how bad it's going to feel when someone gets in front of you and judges you. My coach, Robert Holden, uh, in a mastermind course just several weeks ago, shared with our group, <laughs> he shared some of the Amazon comments of one of his books. And it's a book that, that I hope goes down in history right alongside the Bible. I mean, this, this thing needs to be remembered forever. It is such a good book. And I'll just pump it. It's called Lovability. It is a beautiful book. However, he received judgment. Not many, but a few. A few people went on Amazon, and one person wrote, and Robert put the, the comment from Amazon up on our, our Zoom call in Mastermind just so we could all see it. One person wrote that his book was like spending time with pink candy cane cone. And we all laughed so hard because his book is really deep, intelligent, and thoughtful. But for the person who is not, the person who's not deep, the person who does not, oh, I'm not going to go off on their intelligence, but let's, let's hit them for their their ability to think deeply. The person that just doesn't go there, they're not going to appreciate that the author did. They're just not going to appreciate it. And that's where judgment hangs out. It's in the minds of those that don't appreciate the depth that a writer goes to to share their message. So forget about them. Forget about them. They are not your ideal reader. They're never going to pay to come to your workshop. They're never going to invest in your big signature program. They're not your person. They're not. Don't think about them. Know that, again, that's just how the ego protects us. It's how it buys time so that the book can come out later. I'm going to tell you guys a lot about this and my own journey when we come back from the break, but I hope this serves you, Michelle, that it is completely normal 
to protect yourself. And yet, I'm going to encourage you, keep going. The real fear here is just that the judgment from others will be even more wicked than the judgment you have put on yourself. Stay tuned, my friends. We're going to be right back. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. What's one of your favorite memories? Hmm, let's see... Well, there was this one time I went snorkeling in the Caribbean when I was a kid. It really just blew my mind. I mean, when you're sitting on the beach, it's so peaceful and you sort of forget there's a whole other world under there just full of all kinds of life. We saw the most beautiful corals. I remember thinking they were waving at us as they moved with the ocean. And then there were all these amazing fish. They kind of reminded me of tropical birds. They were so bright and colorful, just darting all over the place like birds in the sky. I'll never forget it. It completely changed the way I look at the ocean. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Welcome back. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your giggling host, Coach Debbie. That was a hilarious commercial. I hope you have enjoyed the first two segments of our show. We're looking at the reasons why we don't finish our stories. And in some cases, we don't even start them. We just hang out with great ideas. There's all kinds of reasons why, and we're going to get to the biggest reason in a moment. Thank you, everyone, for sending in these text questions. I want to make sure I answer them all. So we're going to go to our next one. Uh, This comes in from uh, Tim, who is speaking about his son. And says, I heard you mention Toastmasters. My son is 23 years old, and he is the president of his Toastmasters group. Yay! Go, Joseph. Uh, His mentor asked him to join a group called Storytellers. Are you sure it's called Storytellers? Uh, It might be. I know of a group called Story Weavers, and I happen to go to it every now and then. So I was just curious about that. Uh, You say your son has accomplished quite a bit, and you go into his government, community service, work with the food banks, the shelters, and even reading to children at schools. But he believes that just being 23, he doesn't necessarily have that much uh, to share, that his story isn't all that robust yet. And you said here, uh, Tim, maybe he doesn't know where his story will take him 
along in his life. Uh, I have to concur with you. I think that's true. I also was 23 years old when I started doing that sort of thing. I was brand new to community college. All of my friends had, well, my friends that went to college had graduated and they had their bachelor's degree and I was 23 and just standing at the doors of community college. And one of the very first courses I took was speech writing. I thought I was going to pass out dead. I thought, what am I doing in this class? I don't want to write speeches. And the first thing they said was, you're going to stand in front of the class and tell a story about yourself for eight minutes. And um, I don't know about the rest of you if you believe in reincarnating, but I do think I died and reincarnated at some point throughout that speech. I was so nervous. I, I was sweating. My knees were shaking. And it was, it was this idea that I don't have a story. I'm only 23 years old. I don't, I don't have a story yet. And yet, you know, Tim, you're, you're saying you're aware that your son is offering his time at food banks. He's reading to children. He's involved in government work. I, I believe he's also in the Air Force he has stories. There's four right there. And if we broke them down, we could really get into the particulars of his story. So here's what I want to offer up. When a person isn't even getting into their story, let alone finishing it, but they're not even getting into their story, it's often because they're looking at too big of a span. So for me, I was looking at, you know, I've been here 23 years and I've done nothing, you know. But actually, if you gave me a topic and then asked me to break down some questions in that topic, I found I had story. So for your son, he's reading to children. Uh, we want to know a little more about that. So we might ask him, when you go and you read to children, what is one of the things that makes you want to come back each time? What, what's just one of those things that makes you want to come back? And he might say something like, oh my gosh, kids say things that just floor you, that crack you up, that make you think, wow, how did they get so smart? And see, now you're starting. What are some of the things they say? Oh my gosh, the other day a, a kid said to me, have you ever been to the moon? You know, where did he get this idea that me being an adult, a 23-year-old, that I have the capacity to get to the moon? You, you start someone talking and, and they just go. You might even, instead of going into something particular, you might step back and say, what is one of your biggest dreams? And maybe, maybe your kid would say, well, one of my biggest dreams is to, to serve and to help people feel validated. And then you might ask, well, what are the ways you're doing it right now? Can you come up with 20 ways you're doing it right now? See, when you put a number like 20 in front of someone, people instantly get intimidated and they go, no, I can only come up with two. But guess what? They will. 
they'll come up with 20 ways that they serve already. They'll realize, you know, I work at a food bank. I make the coffee. I buy the food. I do the books. I read to kids at the library. I answer my sister when she calls in the middle of the night. I give money to the shelter down the street. I walk alongside people when they're sharing their stories. They're going to come up with one thing after another. I think the biggest intimidation is that when we're in our 20s, there's so many other people that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that seem like they know what they're doing. And it's just, again, that ego in the mirror that says, you haven't lived enough yet. You don't have a story. When, in fact, you do. There might be some place in his earlier life that he could go back to. Maybe it's uh, athletics or music or school clubs or something like that that would bring him deeper into his story. The big thing is it's so important to start. It's so important to allow yourself to feel empowered to get in there and start out. And a place like Toastmasters asks you to write a five to seven minute speech. That's what the first, um, oh, what do we call those? Manuals? That's what the first manual is about, is getting competent speaking for five to seven minutes. And you know what the number one problem is for a new speaker? They can't keep it to seven minutes once they get started. Their fear is that they're only going to have seven seconds of something to say. But that's not what happens. They have plenty to say. It's just that they got to start talking. They got to start writing it down. And they'll see there's plenty there. So I hope this serves you. And I hope so much that Joseph continues on his journey as president of Toastmasters and telling his story. I want to get into, I'm going to skip over some of the more basic ones that we were going to talk about today. And I want to get into the biggie, the real, real biggie, why people don't finish their book why people don't finish telling their stories, why they back away from taking the risk and exposing themselves. And it's going to surprise you. So far, we've talked about some issues around fears. We've talked about the ego and the projections. But this biggie, this last one, it's about grief. And you would think, me just saying that, that I'm talking about stories around death, and I'm not. I'm just saying that when we get honest about our story, there's usually a little bit, if not a lot, of grief that comes up. And we have a hard time moving forward if we don't have the skills or if we don't have the courage to meet our grief. Some of you were here when I offered the story about Carla and her husband, Chris, how Chris was serving uh, as a 
Bellevue Police Department cop, and he had had back pain for a long time. And he was just kind of white-knuckling his way through it until he finally went to the doctor and found out he had stage 4 bone cancer. And it, it took 10 years beyond his passing before the family really started to talk publicly about that and to, to really express that story with honor. Why? Because there was grief. But it doesn't have to be a story like that. It could be a story like one of my writers. Uh, I'm going to call her, I'm going to call her Kelly. Kelly was one of my memoir writers. And she identifies as lesbian. And she was writing a fabulous book. And in this book, she was sharing some of her childhood memories of how her mother was very, very much in the closet about being a lesbian herself. And there were were incidents when Kelly was just very confused because in the outer world, men and women were together, but in her home life, she saw her mother with women, going on dates with women. And so it was very confusing to her. How come her mother is with a same-sex person, but her mother, being full of shame, didn't explain it. She didn't talk about it, and she didn't acknowledge that these women that were coming to the house were romantic interests. So as Kelly grew and and came face-to-face with her own sexual identification, she did not have the same shame. She accepted herself completely as a lesbian woman. It wasn't until Kelly was writing her memoirs and including stories about her mother and really feeling a lot of empathy of what her mother must have gone through that she got stopped just dead in her tracks And she came to me at one of our sessions and said, I can't continue with this book. Something's got me. It's got me by the throat. By the way, that whole throat chakra center, for any of you that study this, is the grief center. So whenever a writer says, it's got me by the throat, I know they're experiencing some kind of grief. And Kelly said, I can't keep writing. My mother, my mother must have gone through so much. She lived her whole life basically in a closet. She never explained anything to me. I figured it all out based on my own orientation, but I don't know how to move forward. And here's the quick answer. We move forward because we have the guts to move through it. We have the guts to face the grief. And we take out a new journal and we write about that. And we find our compassion around that story of grief. It might not be part of what we publish, but in order to keep going, we've got to face it. It could be that Joseph is going through a little bit of this while he's exploring Toastmasters. It could be that Sabrina's exploring a little bit of this. 
Michelle as well. But I encourage all of you, if it's fear, if it's projection, if it's your ego, stick with it. Hire a coach, keep writing, and keep enlisting yourself. You are on the right path. I hope this has served you, and I'll be back again next week. Namaste. Namaste.